Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Cole. Not sure if you know this, but Jay Cutler has really been the butt of all jokes this week. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, he's got like a, a Boomhauer butt, I think. <laughs> There's no substance to it. Well, it's been all over. It's been everywhere. I mean, every meme, every it's been yeah. everywhere. The Dolphins even redesigned the, the logo. Yeah, that one was the best. That was, <laughs> but it looks like Jay Cutler's dead. Like it looks like he's just like, like face yeah. down in a river or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what we've learned is that you can never say never when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. Jay Cutler is the latest NFL quarterback to unretire. In this week, we'll be joined by Antoine Staley of USA Today's Dolphins Wire to talk about that and everything Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we're going to hit him with the questions that, you know, hard-hitting questions like we always do, classic us. And then after oh, yeah. that, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the latest listeners contest uh, that lets you vote on who you think was the best college football team since 2000. So we gathered all the champions since 2000 since now we have 16 so it's a bracket of 16 and I think that's the best thing we've done in a while uh I didn't come up with it I saw it on the internet but then I brought it to the blogosphere no that's not I didn't blog about it I brought it to the podcast world how about that there you go well I'm going to give you credit where credit's due because I think it's all your idea so it, right. it's 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 been it's been going good, and we're going to talk about that. We're right in the middle of the second round right now, and I'm sure most of you have heard about Jacksonville running back Leonard Fournette melting down his childhood trophies and making them into a weight set for a high school in Jacksonville. We're going to talk with the man, a man that was there the day that Fournette showed up at that high school. His name is Zach Goodall of BigCatCountry.com. He spoke with Leonard Fournette about it. We're going to talk to him. And then in this week's Coach's Corner, I am going to skip the coaching talk and go on a little bit of a rant about the current Colin Kaepernick situation. I know we've talked about it in the past, but I can't wait any longer. I got to go off about Colin Kaepernick. Can't wait. Neither can we got I all that. Yeah. We got all that and more this week on Coach and Cole. church while your bride walks down the aisle live in prime time on blog talk radio we are presented in part by fantasyforecast.com the fantasy sports website that puts the fan in fantasy sports i'm here as always with the co-host of the show (laughs) cole fouts and cole 
Happy holiday to you, buddy. How's it going? Good. I almost had you. You did. You did. You did. He hacked you into my left. notes again, guys, and he changed part to fart. I almost <laughs> said fart. It's it's a funny word, no matter how old you get. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And it's, it's a special um, show time this week, right? Because we're on right. we're Wednesday night, and hump day. I mean, hump day. How's your week going so far? Uh, good. I had to think of anything that happened since then. I think it's been going well. <laughs> Just a normal week for you, huh? Yeah, nothing special. Nothing special. Well, you know, the the main reason why we're broadcasting Wednesday night this week is because I'm going to be part of a buddy's wedding. He's getting married on Saturday. And as a matter of fact, back in the, uh, you know, way back when, back in the day on some of our original shows, this guy joined us uh, and he was going by the moniker Contrarian Cole because He's a big fantasy guy, and he's always the guy that likes to play the contrarian plays in fantasy where you're least expected. And and that's Cole Shore, my buddy, and uh, Cole's, uh, Cole's buddy as well. So we want to say congratulations and early congratulations to uh, him and, and his soon-to-be wife, Lainey. They're getting married this Saturday, so I'm going to be doing that busy weekend for me. So that's why we are broadcasting Wednesday. So it's going to be a fun weekend for me. Cole and I think you know that's it's tough to say for us because we're not quite getting married like uh, Mr. Shore is but I think for him Mm -hmm. Cole that's a five-star decision and you know what else is a five-star decision we'll see we'll see but this is for sure a five-star decision to listen (laughs) to this show and we know that because our listeners (laughs) our listeners have rated us that on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, remember, you can catch us on demand on iTunes and on TuneIn after our live broadcast. Please subscribe to us on whichever format you listen to us here on Blog Talk Radio. So at about 15 after the hour, Cole, we're going to be joined by Antoine Staley, the managing editor of Dolphins Wire, to talk about the latest news with the Miami Dolphins. But before we do that, Cole, we all know that you're a huge Minnesota Timberwolves guy. So I want to get your take on this story, latest story out of Minnesota, and that is uh, the Wolves owner, Minnesota Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, said earlier in the week that he is ready to commit a nearly $150 million contract to Andrew Wiggins as a max level extension of his rookie deal. But before he does that, he wants to sit down face-to-face with Wiggins to hear, of course, the former number one overall pick commit to the franchise in a similar fashion. And Cole, it's not what you think, right? It's not what you normally think about normally when you hear about something like this, where a guy's going to get a max level deal, but they want to meet with him first. He doesn't want to just hear Wiggins say that he bleeds blue and black or black and blue Timberwolves colors. And that he wants to be a Timberwolf for life. He wants to hear Wiggins promise that he will improve his abilities from where he is now and he says and i quote to me by making this offer i'm speculating that his contribution to the team will be more in the future we've got to get better he can't just be paid for what he's doing today he's got to be better so when you're talking about negotiations on his part 
I'm ready. I'm already extending to him that I'm willing to meet the max, but there are some things that I need out of him. And that is the commitment to be a better player than you already are today. End quote. So Cole, the question is he wants to sign into a max deal, but not unless he gets better. So I got to ask you as a Timberwolves guy, you follow the team through and through, you've been there through thick and thin things are looking up this season. What is your opinion on the owner's Taylor's request? I think this is the weirdest thing ever. I think it'd be hilarious <laughs> if Wiggins is like, I'm probably not going to get better. This is, I've, I've hit my peak, but I'll take the money. Like, what is he supposed to say? Right. Like, yes, I will get better. All right, well, he said it, so here you go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that is so yeah. stupid. Hey, yeah, we're going to give you. $130 million, but you have to say that you're going to try really hard for the rest of your career here. <laughs> Can you do that for us? <laughs> like, right, and that's hey, what I mean. Like, pinky swear. Pinky promise. Right. Hold out your it pinky. Not, All right. <laughs> it just doesn't, like, aren't you already expecting that of this guy? Like, he is a pro basketball player. He plays at a high level. We've already seen that. He has improved year to year. And aren't you already expecting that when you, you know, this guy's playing for you in the NBA, you're going to offer him a contract because of what he's already done and what he could become. But you, you, you don't want to do that until you sit down and watch his mouth move and say, yeah, I'll, I promise to get better. I mean, it just, it's just, it really strikes me as goofy. It, it is super goofy and, it didn't need to be made public. You just, you look really stupid. Kevin Love left for this reason, not for this specific reason, but he left because he, he wasn't given a max contract. Uh, He's obviously given one to Wiggins, but like, it's just stuff like this. It's just, it's weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense to say that out loud. Right. I, Either way, I mean, even if you say, if you don't, if it doesn't come out to the public and the fact that you, that's, you know, you're requesting that out of him. I think it's just a weird, and I wanted to get you, I, I knew you kind of would feel the same way because it's just, it's just, it's just an odd thing. Like, again, this team is in a position right now, uh, one of the better positions they've been in for quite some time. Okay. Not only do they have Andrew Wiggins, they've got your guy, Cat under the rim, banging down low and stretching the court and everything he does. He's an amazing player, young talent. And now, not only that, they've got Zach Levine, and now they bring in Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague. Levine's gone, gone, that's right. Sorry about that. You don't have Levine. Sorry. Uh, Whoops. No, Levine. Bulls guy, you should know who you have on your team. Well, that just tells you how much I've checked out of being a Bulls fan. I don't even care who they got right now. Yeah, Levine is a Chicago Bull, but they've got Jimmy Butler, they've got Jeff Teague, Wiggins, Towns, all these guys, and they're in a great position. So it just seems weird to kind of, I don't know, is this really negative? Uh, press. I, I don't think so. it's really. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it kind of feels that way, doesn't a it? I bit. mean, 
Yeah, it it, it like feels just, negative. It, yeah, like it like it just if your other players on the team, like your cat, like maybe they know. Obviously, they probably know this guy personally, but like maybe they know it's like it's not as as what it seems to us. Like it just it maybe it just sounds different to us because it's in the public this way. But like if you're a cat and I'm hearing like this is the way they they'll treat their year before number one pick that they traded Kevin Love for. Like I don't know, it just sounds it just sounds weird. Speaking of the Wolves, real quick, I know we have to move on yeah. soon. Yeah. Um. Apparently, they their new jerseys got leaked off of. NBA 2K, like a screenshot of it. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him, seen them, but then Wiggins, I think, did it on purpose because he thought this whole thing was really stupid. He was wearing their shorts and he uh, Instagrammed a pic of him wearing their shorts without the yep. official, you know, like uniform, uh, whatever thing where the team brings him out and everybody looks cool. And But, man, they look ugly. Really? So I knew you're not a fan happen. of them? No, I knew it was going to happen. With that logo, the logo seemed weird to me. Yeah. These these look like Euro jerseys, like Euro uniforms. Dude. They've got horizontal stripes. And it's okay. just... Can you... You should find like that. Me. Find find what you saw that was leaked and tweet that out. We'll, we'll retweet it on uh, the Coach and Cole Twitter so everybody can see what we're talking about. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but you you did you did kind of allude to that when we talked about their logo a few months back. The new logo um, that it was it, it's kind of has it grown on you at all? I know you weren't. I mean, you liked it at first, and then you kind of didn't like it, and it's just I don't know. It's they've 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 got the Seahawks green going. Is, is the Seahawks green a big part of their new uniform? Uh. I don't see a whole lot. I did see, I don't know if it was a real um, display of one, but I think it might have been like just like a fan mock-up. There was one where there was the jersey, like the uniform was that, that was the main color. Ooh. Was that green? And if that is true, I'm going to stab myself in the eyes. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what they look like uh, for sure. I'm not sure when yeah. they announced those, but yeah, tweet those out. Can't wait. Um, tweet those out so we can see those. And in just a few minutes here, we're going to be joined by Antoine Staley, waiting to make a connection with him to talk a little Miami Dolphins football. So we've got football? that coming down. Football, yeah. We've got that coming in a second. Um, so to buy a little time here, we're still talking about the Timberwolves, right? And. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked a whole lot of basketball in recent weeks. I mean, this episode is predominantly NFL. Football is in the air. It's football season basically from here on out, so we've got a lot of football talk. But, you know, you're you're looking at this team right now. Where do you see this team? I mean, if you were to put a over-under on a win total for the Timberwolves right now, Cole, where, where do you think they're going to be at? I'm going to say 49 is the over-under. 49 and a half, because you have to put the half, so you, have, you can say 49 or not. And I will go over, because I think they're going to be like at 50 wins. Okay, so they're right in that, they're right in that ballpark. 
And I see I can see a five seed with fifty wins. In the West, you think that's good enough for a five? Just because six through nine, ha, um, they're gonna. It's gonna be really close, and I don't think they're gonna be as good because Portland. We'll see what happens with that. I don't think they they've done a whole lot. New Orleans. I don't know. They're not gonna get to fifty. Um, Denver might be at like forty eight, forty nine. They should be pretty good. Um, but I don't see the bottom half being, like, overwhelmingly good. I can see them being mm-hmm. really tight. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely going to be a tight race for sure in the West. Yeah. And we've we've connected with, with uh, our first of two Blog Talk Radio guests of the week. We're going to talk a little Miami Dolphins with Antoine Staley. He's on the line. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. How are you doing? Hey, real good. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. Good, good. Well, Antoine, let's start this off right away. And with the biggest surprise so far of the NFL preseason, that's got to be that Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins have decided to talk Jay Cutler out of retirement to take over after Ryan Tannehill has gone down with a partially torn ACL. And it looked like Matt Moore would be taking over the reins and getting his chance in the spotlight. But now we've learned it's actually going to be Cutler. Antoine, how much of this decision was based upon the fact that the Dolphins weren't confident enough and more? Hey, it's all of it. Yeah, obviously, if they were confident and more, he'd be the starter. But the fact of the matter is they're not. I thought they would sign a veteran anyway, but simply because you have Brandon Dowdy, you have David Fells there. It's nowhere you. If something would have happened to Matt Moore. There's no way you're going to feel confident going in either one of those guys. So I actually thought they would sign a veteran quarterback anyway. But to go ahead and get a guy like Jay Cutler, who obviously is definitely an upgrade for Matt Morak. You know, it could be an upgrade for Ryan Tannehill, depending on who you talk to. Uh, I I may think he's – you look at their numbers, they're very similar. Definitely, definitely, definitely a different skill set as well with him and Ryan Tannehill. But the fact of the matter is, you're getting a quality starter who's played games in this league, and it's also played under gate system. So I don't know if you could have crimped up a better scenario for Adam Gates and Jay Cutler. Right. So Cutler gets one year, 10 mil, with another possible three mil uh, and incentives that could bump up uh, this thing even more. Uh, what is the reaction from Dolphins Nation about the contract and about Cutler being their new quarterback? Well, it's been mixed. You have some people that wanted Matt Moore to just to be the starter. You have some people that are not necessarily fans of Jay Cutler. Some people thought it was too much, which I, I don't, because you look at the quarterback money in the league, $10 million is not really a whole lot for a quarterback in this day and age. So I, I don't have a problem with the money. And Jay Cutler has been an established starter in the league. I know he was retired, but established starter. And actually taking a pay cut from what he made in Chicago. So I don't have a problem with the whole scenario, but of course you're gonna. It's like anything else. You're gonna have your people that dislike it and like it. Just like you had people that love Ryan Tannehill, you had people that disliked Ryan Tannehill. So it's kind of the same thing. There's kind of a mixed reaction between the fans. Yeah, and you you reported yesterday on Dolphins Wire that Cutler looked good in his first day of practice with the team, and that he was seen chatting with Dolphins legend Dan Marino 
And, and Cutler said that he wasn't going to hesitate to ask Marino for advice in the future. But Antoine, after the little you've seen of Cutler so far, what is your opinion of the move? And I know you alluded to this already a little bit, but does this make the Dolphins a better team? And dare I say, even better than this Dolphins team would have been with Tannehill at the helm. Well, I, from what I've seen, I, I, you know, I think I like Jake Cutler. I'll say this: I like Jake Cutler as long as he's with Adam Gase. If you look at where he was in 2015 when Gase was the offensive coordinator, I thought that that was got Gase the ten, got Gase the Miami job because I felt like. Stephen Ross saw what he Adam Gates was able to do with Jay Cutler, somebody who's a gunslinger, somebody that threw a traditionally threw a lot of interceptions, wasn't necessarily accurate. And Cutler came in there; he had statistically arguably one of his better seasons there for a bad Chicago Bears team. So I feel like he got he kind of maximized Jay Cutler's talent, especially around the lack of talent they have around that team. Now you put Cutler around a talented team, a more talented team in Miami that has a running back. The offensive line, depending on who's healthy, it's a bit shaky, but so is the Bears. And I like the receiving core of the Dolphins, which Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parkey, Kenny Stills. I feel like Jay Cutler could be possibly have a really, really great season under Adam Gates, to be completely honest, because he already knows the system. It's just a matter of getting, rep, getting reps there and getting comfortable with the receivers around them. So to be honest, to answer your question, I feel like he could be an upgrade. It's just a matter of, one, can Jay Cutler just rein it in and not turn the ball over? That's really the main thing for me. But as far as on the talent level, I think he's more talented than Ryan Tannehill. All right, so Cutler isn't the only Dolphin in the news. Uh, you just mentioned, mentioned him, wide receiver Jarvis Landry. Uh, he's reportedly under investigation for domestic battery. What's the latest you've heard on him? Well, he spoke about it yesterday and just said that it's, you know, it's not true, essentially, and the Fort Lauderdale police are kind of doing their thing, but he, he essentially just dismissed the whole thing, and obviously his girlfriend did the same thing. She, she's saying that it was somebody that called the police on them after an argument, and they're just investigating the whole thing. And Adam Gates said they're aware of it, they've been aware of it, and they don't necessarily want to comment on it. So for all we know, that's all that's really going on with that until something else happens then, yeah, it's nothing really to report there. We're talking with Antoine Staley of Dolphins Wire live on the Coach and Cole show. If Landry faces no legal ramifications like you're talking about, if this wasn't the case, if this was something that was called on uh, by somebody else and nothing's true, these these uh, allegations aren't true, with, with Cutler at quarterback, what type of season are you expecting from Landry? And and will he be the top receiver in Miami this year, or could it be Devontae Parker stepping up? Well, it could be Devontae Parker anyway, but you're talking about two different, entirely different receivers. I think Devontae Parker has the skill set and the ceiling to be a number one type receiver, meaning that he can stretch the defense. He doesn't have you know, game blazing speed, but he has enough speed to get by defenders. He's big, he's long, he can make all the catches on the football field, and he's looked tremendous throughout training camp and you really the uh, off season program he looked he looked great as well. So you're talking about different two different players. I still think Landry's gonna be a player that's gonna catch you get eighty, ninety balls just simply because he catches bats has in volume. <clears throat> it's gonna be interesting because Ryan Tannehill really relied on him. So and Jake Cutler is a entirely different quarterback whereas 
he likes to take a little bit more shots down the field as opposed to Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill would take shots down the field, especially as of lately. His deep ball has gotten a lot better. But at the same time, Jay Cutler is more of a gunslinger than Ryan Tannehill. So uh, I will see how that reflects Landry's production. But I still think he's going to catch at least 80 balls this year. Okay, 80 balls for Landry. And, and, and the Dolphins have been pretty good to their own in recent history but they've yet to lock up Landry to a contract extension. What's the latest there with his contract, Hawks? It's probably not going to happen. With, with Cutlers and so on, they don't have any money. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Not not right now. They, they just, they're strapped for cash, and they had to bring in – they're paying thirty over $30 million just to quarterbacks right now. So that takes up a lot of lot of room. So I don't imagine they're going to get anything done. If they can't get anything done by the next league year, they'll just franchise him, and he'll have to come back and play for a lot of money on a one-year deal. So I don't get to sit. He'll be back next year. I have no doubt about that, either one way or the other, whether they work something out or not. But I don't get the sense that one, they're in a hurry of doing anything, or two, like I said, they're pretty much strapped for cash. They don't have they don't have the money that he's seeking. He's seeking a lot of money, so he's just going to have to – just wait and play another great year and see what happens. All right, now let's talk about running back Jay Ajayi. He uh, suffered a concussion last week, but he has returned as a non-contact participant yesterday. Are they going to take it slow for the rest of the preseason with him, or are they going to ramp him back up? Well, we'll see. I, he he won't. I imagine he won't play tomorrow. Adam Gates didn't necessarily say that, but he kind of indicated that. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see where he is. I imagine if he plays, it'll probably be the third preseason game. It's so they, they don't necessarily need him to play. You know he's the starter. He's established. They want to get these young guys some playing time and also get Damian Williams some reps as well. So I think he'll play maybe the third preseason game, but I don't imagine he's going to play a whole lot. You got a running back that loves to take loves to take on punishment, especially a physical running back like Jay Ajayi. You don't necessarily want him taking unnecessary shots in the preseason. So I, I have a hard time believing he's going to play a whole lot anyway. But now this concussion, you want him ready for Tampa Bay on September 10th. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a big one here, uh, Monday, and everybody likes to talk about the, the juicy gossip that's going on in the NFL. Megatron, Calvin Johnson, attended Delphin's practice. What What's going on there? And, and Antoine, is there any chance – that Megatron wants to come back and wants to wear a Dolphins uniform. Well, he's under contract with the uh, Detroit Lions still, so it would have to. It would be a lot of different things with that. He may want to come back. I I get the sense that he probably still wants to play. He just didn't. He just didn't want to play in Detroit anymore. He's with the old, he was with the Raiders earlier on throughout the pre throughout the uh, off season program and their training their training their OTAs and off off-season workouts, so he's just kind of making moves. Him and Adam Gates are cool. They, Adam Gates was in Detroit when the team drafted him. Also, Sean Jefferson, the Dolphins wide receiver coach, was was there also there in Detroit, so he's really cool with both of them. They asked him to come out, talk to the receivers, and why not? You have one of the top 10 or 15, at least in my eyes, receivers of all time in Calvin Johnson. And what, you know, what better way for some of these guys to just take a little bit of knowledge and what he can do. So I don't think it's never, it's never a bad thing to have a great talented receiver come out to your camp and at least talk to your players. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the best ever, no doubt about it. Last one before we let you go here, Antoine. Brandon Albert retires last week. Now he's told the Jaguars he plans to return. What's the latest on Albert that you've heard, and will the Dolphins actually be getting their 2018 seventh-round pick after all? Well, as far as I know, the Jaguars are putting them on the retired list. So, no, the Dolphins, as of right now, no, they're not going to get the pick unless he actually plays games which I have a hard time believing. As of right now, I think the Jaguars are just ready to get rid of him because they, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I, I don't think he necessarily wanted to go to Jacksonville, which I don't understand why he accepted the deal in the first place. The Dolphins were going to cut him. And then he, all of a sudden, Jacksonville came came and offered the Dolphins a deal, and, and they actually asked, actually asked Brandon Albert, would he want to go there? And he said yes. But – isn't, you know, you go into a team that has a losing culture, hasn't necessarily won in a long time, uh, break Bortles. <laughs> you know, he threw, I believe, five or six interceptions in the scrimmage that they had. He And Brandon Albert, I've, I've seen – I've seen – I've covered the team for five years now. He's just – you know, he suffered a lot of injuries. And I don't know if he necessarily wants to go through a rebuilding situation there in Jacksonville. And I can't blame him, but it's not like he didn't know what he was getting himself into before – the, the team asked him, did he want to go there? So he had an opportunity right. to, to just get cut out release, and he decided to go there, I, obviously because of money, but he didn't want to do it. So he decided he wanted to go there, get paid, but he, did, he wanted to retire. So I have a hard time believing Jacksonville is going to let him come back on the team after that. So to answer your question, no, I don't think the Dolphins will be getting the draft pick because he actually has to play games in order for that to happen. Yeah, interesting to see what shakes out there. He's Antoine Staley of USA Today's Dolphins Wire. He should be your go-to source for everything Miami Dolphins. And where can people find you on Twitter? Antoine Staley on Twitter. You can also um, check me out at Dolphins Wire as well. Obviously, we'll have some information there for the game tomorrow preseason. You know, this preseason, we'll definitely check out some stuff out there that people can check out. So you can check out DolphinsWire.com also. Antoine Staley at Twitter. There we go. Check him out. Antoine, thanks for joining us, and we'll do it again soon, buddy. All right. Take care. All right, Antoine Staley, USA Um, Today. Yeah, what's up, Cole? I'm going to just read something off real quick for the Cutler stuff. Um, his career averages, he's just a smidge, a skosh under 62% completion, um, about a little over 2,900 yards per year, just another skosh under 19 touchdowns per year, just a skosh over 13 interceptions per year, (laughs) uh, 7.2 yards per attempt and 85.7 quarterback rating. So through 11 years, that's what his averages are. And this is yep. the one year under Adam Gase in 2015. So it's not like 2010 when Jay Cutler was a young gunslinger where this is very recent. And like mm-hmm. Antoine said, this is probably the reason why Adam Gase has this job that he has now. So 64.4 completion rate, 3,659 yards, 21 touch, touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 7.6 yards per average, and a 92.3 pass rating. So everything is better than that one year under Gase. So Take that for data. I, I get that he can 
he can produce under Gates. So it makes sense to me. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the move, I mean, you and I both, both talked about this when it went down and, and to us, the move makes sense. I mean, they obviously like each other. They got along. They had success with each other. Um, and like you said, I mean, his numbers are significantly better when he played with Gase as one of his coaches. And it, it, it's so tough to say, right? He's 34 years old. He is, was just retired. He even comes out and says to the media, you know, you, thankfully you don't have to be in that great a shape to be a quarterback. So he obviously wasn't training. <laughs> that was keeping hilarious in shape. when he said that. You know, and of course, he's kind of one of those guys that has the dry sense of humor. You're really not sure how to read him. And so I think that's where he gets a bad rap from a lot of the media and and just about everybody, to be honest. But I think he brings a lot of it on himself. But so you don't really know how prepared this guy is. But the good thing about it is, like you said, it's not like he's going to have to go into this blind, never played under this offense before. He has. He's had success. And then you put him in a situation, right? Because we talked about all these guys during the interview here. You, you got Jay Ajayi at running back. Now, is he the real deal? I think it's it's tough to say for certain, but he's had some great games in the NFL. So we know he can get it done. You got him at running back. You've got Jarvis Landry, some of the best hands we've ever seen. Uh, runs those short, quick routes better than just about anyone in the entire NFL. And, and then you've got Devontae Parker, who's going to stretch the field, a guy that Cutler likes to throw to. So you've got these weapons for him at his disposal. you got Adam Gase, who's an offensive mastermind, and they've worked well together before. You know, Antoine didn't want to come out and say it because, he, like he said, he's been covering the team for five years. He's not going to come out and throw Ryan Tannehill under the bus. But I don't know about you, Cole, but I think 100% that Cutler – puts them in a better position to win games than Ryan Tannehill does. Yeah, I agree with that. Because just thinking of, of Cutler's career, he's gotten to the playoffs a couple times. Uh, Tannehill, I think last year was the only time. But Tannehill, nothing jumps off the board for me with Tannehill. Right. Like arm strength isn't huge. The accuracy isn't huge the I mean he's mo he's mobile he was a uh, college wide receiver but he's not blazing fast or you know he's not gonna outrun a defense um I think he's a good quarterback but I can see Cutler definitely um putting them in a better position to to win this year and with that one year in Gates in 2015 those Bears sucked. He had nothing around him. Uh, Martellus Bennett and Alshon Jeffrey were on the IR. So, if you want to talk about weapons, this year he's some of the better weapons he's had, probably besides that year with Jeffrey, uh, Marshall, and Bennett, and Forte as well. But with this coach that he's produced under, I can see probably around the same statisticals, I think he'll have more – uh, touchdowns. I don't think statisticals is a word the way I used it correctly. Um, <laughs> but I can see like the same around the same um, stats, just probably some more touchdowns because they got Julius Thomas as well too at tight end. Yeah, yeah, he's going that. under the radar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he's a guy that who his injuries have kind of plagued him the last few years, but he is he was a guy that did some great things with Peyton Manning in Denver. 
and, and then he went to Jacksonville, and, and it just didn't didn't work out for him. And that's where a lot of players Which go is surprising. to. Surprising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the black hole there in Jacksonville. Don't want to talk too bad about Jacksonville because uh, we're going to talk more Jaguars later on in the show. <laughs> yeah, we got we got <laughs> stuff coming up later. We got yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it's the truth, right? And so now he's with Miami. We'll see what happens. And again, I think it's a it makes sense. It makes sense, and obviously, Cutler is one of these guys who had all the talent in the world, hasn't really been able to put it all together, and I think he's probably one of these guys that fits where, you know, it could be an effort thing at times. He's checked in it, checking out, checking in. I mean, you remember the game where he comes out injured in the playoffs, and uh, he can barely walk on the sideline. He can't go back in, and then the very next day, there is camera footage of this guy jogging with his girlfriend on the sidewalk on Hollywood Boulevard or wherever the heck they were. I believe it was Hollywood Boulevard. So, I mean, it, you, you, you scratch your head at times with this guy and wonder, you know, is he really all in? And, and I guess we'll, we, we're not going to know, but I think, you know, $10 million is Enough. I mean, he, I mean, Antoine said that, you know, it's really not, it's a pay cut for him compared to what he was making with Chicago. And as far as the grand scheme of starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, it may not be top of the top of the line, but $10 million is going plus incentives is going to be able to talk just about anyone out of retirement. I would think. Brett Favre might come back. 10 million bucks. You know, I, I wouldn't doubt it. 10 million bucks with some incentives. And I think all you'd have to do to get Favre to play Cole is just tell him that he doesn't have to practice. Yeah. I think he'd be okay with that too. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to Uh, show up to practice, just playing the games. I think with Cutler, he looks at this as, as much as anyone as a job. And I think that rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. Like how many times, during that when you're at work or even when you're off work and you're just thinking about your job and you're just like, I don't want to go to work. This is stupid. Blah, 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 whatever. You're just like, whatever day it is, you're just like, I I wish it was the weekend or, you know, in his case, I wish it was a Monday or a Tuesday whenever they don't practice, you know, I think he just looks at it as a job. And like I said, I think it just rubs people the wrong way. I feel like he's a dude that I could like hang out with a couple hours. I thought, he, he probably is, like, antisocial. He seems like he's antisocial, which is totally fine with me. And I'm just, like, <laughs> like analyzing him right now. Um, I feel like we could hang out for a couple hours a, a week, tops probably. Uh, we wouldn't say a whole lot. You know, we just <laughs> make some jokes from time to time. And, and Yeah. So, Jay, if you're listening, if you want to hang out, if you're in the Chicago area, uh, which I don't know if you want to come back, probably, you, you know what? Never mind. You're not going to want to come back here. Never mind. <laughs> there you go. Cole extends his offer to Jay Cutler. He wants to hang out with you, buddy. Right, so there you go. Well, we're going to move on to the next segment of the show, and that is go. normally our Twitter question of the week. Okay, so it's normally our Twitter question of the week, but this week, Cole, we don't have a Twitter question of the week. 
not only because it's a short week and we're broadcasting Wednesday night, but because we have our ongoing greatest college football team of the 21st century listeners tournament, our first listeners voting tournament since the greatest quarterback of all time that was really successful, that a lot of people had a lot of fun with it back in February and after the Super Bowl. Yes, it did. And we're already through round one. So we already did the voting. Uh, It was just a Twitter vote. So sorry for you Facebook users, but we did post links on our Facebook page. so You can find the voting and the bracket. And so the round one results and the teams that were involved, well, actually, you know what, let's talk about the matchups and then we'll talk about who advanced out of the first round. So, uh, and they were seated, right? So we seated one through 16. Each team uh, won a championship in their season. And that's how they qualified for the tournament. Uh, Head-to-head, bracket-style tournament. You vote. Whoever has the more votes advances to the next round, just like we are our last listener's contest. First matchup was the number one seed, 2001 Miami Hurricanes, against the number 16 seed, 2010 Auburn squad that was led by Cam Newton, of course. Nick Fairley was also on that squad. Uh, that 01 Miami team is obviously the number one seed with good reason. That that roster was absolutely stacked. Clinton Portis, Jeremy Shockey, Andre Johnson, Jonathan Vilma, Ed Reed, the list goes on. There's more than even those guys that we didn't mention. But, of course, I think without saying, we know that Miami coasted through this one. 97% to 3% Miami advances. Uh, going straight yeah, down the bracket. High. <laughs> it does seem high. I don't know even how they got a vote on that. Sorry, <laughs> Cam Newton. You don't you don't even stack up yeah. with that team. The the next the next uh, matchup was the 2012 Alabama Crimson Tide and the 2007 LSU Tigers. So the old SEC rivalry there. And uh, some notables on those teams. You know, uh, Alabama C.J. Mosley. Uh, Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, to name a few. Uh, that LSU squad, Matt Flynn was the quarterback, uh, former oh, yeah. Packers quarterback. Matt Flynn was the quarterback. Brandon LaFell, the two most notable. Um, I think we could see this one coming as well. The writing on the wall, Alabama squad advances over LSU, 70 to 30, right on the button. Uh, straight down the four seed, 2016 Clemson, last year's squad with Deshaun Watson. Uh, took on the number 10, 2003 LSU Tigers. And on that squad, a pretty good team, right? I mean, they, you know, Jamarcus Russell, he gets a bad rap for what he became in the NFL, but Jamarcus Russell was on that team. Joseph Adai, Andrew Whitworth, Dwayne Bowe, uh, to name a few on that team. And so uh, they kind of did away with, Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers, 59%. They advance. That, that's wrong, by the way. And and you're and, and that, that was one of the ones that, yeah, you, that was one of the ones that, Cole, you had a little bit of a problem with. Why Why do you think that uh, that 2016 Clemson squad would have beat that LSU team? Uh, well, if you just look at the past two years with Clemson, they've held up with one of the elite programs of all time in the recent Alabama 
uh, teams. And mm-hmm. I, I don't see how I, – I, I'm kind of shocked by it because you would think recency bias would kind of sway this one since they had just right. won in a remarkable way, you know, in a rematch. And it just – I just think it what Deshaun Watson and that, that team, Mike Williams – I mean, we don't need to go through it because they had just won. We know a lot of the players that were on that team. I don't see them losing to this LSU team. I don't know. There, there's a couple, and uh, we'll go through it, obviously. There's a couple that I disagree with, yeah. being one of them. Yeah, uh, going right down the list, the next one was uh, Battle of the Florida Schools. The number five seeded 2013 Florida State Seminoles and the 2006 Florida Gators, and of course, that 2013 Florida State team, Jameis Winston quarterbacked it, Devontae Freeman, running back Kelvin Benjamin, Telvin Smith. These are top-tier players in the NFL right now. Pretty darn good squad when you look back at it. And of course, that 2006 Florida team, Tebow time, Tebow was a quarterback, Percy Harvin was also on that team. Shockingly enough, uh, Florida Runs away with this one, 78% to 22%. Um, This one shocked me. I disagree with this one. Yeah. Because Tim Tebow was a freshman that year, and you've seen in the notes, I I wrote a bunch of stuff for all the teams that advanced. Um, So in 06, he was just a freshman. So he wasn't that big Heisman winner that he became. So he wasn't Tim Tebow yet. Right. Chris Leak was a quarterback. Who the hell knows who that guy is anymore? No offense to Chris. He's probably listening. Um, I mean, they did have a lot of good players on that team, but that Florida State team, that those dudes were for real. Like, that, again, I don't see how that happened. You have Jameis Winston, Heisman winner, Calvin Benjamin, uh, Devonta Freeman, you know, like, Calvin Smith, like you said. Like, these are – were young players that went like as soon as they had the breakout year, they went to the NFL besides Winston and they became legit NFL players too. Like, I don't, I don't know how Florida State doesn't win that one. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that one was a huge upset, obviously a five and a 12, but I'm with you. I mean, that, that Florida state team, there was no doubt. That was a, that was a, a serious, that was, that was a, that team, put up a fight with probably just about any of these teams. I mean, that, that was a really good team. Uh, going yeah. down the list, we, we get to the number three seed, excuse me, the number two seed, 2004 USC Trojans. They were matched up against the 2002 Ohio State Buckeyes. And we all know that this was Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, USC mm-hmm. team in 2004. Ohio State uh, had some, some pretty darn good players. Uh, Maurice Claret. Uh, if, you, if you remember that name, 2002, he was a guy that ran into some legal trouble, but he was a darn good football player. Uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith was also another guy. The, uh, the recently passed defensive end. Yeah. He was legit out of college. And I, I looked up this team. I mean, I looked up all these teams. Um, do you remember the quarterback? Um, I should remember the quarterback. It's – it's slipping my mind. I'm looking right. Uh, well, enlighten Craig me here. Krenzel. What do you, we, Craig Krenzel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- I thought it was Smith. 
But uh, but Troy Smith was uh, the 04 uh, Ohio State team. So I thought this one was going to yep. be closer, but then I looked at the Ohio State's roster and it was congratulations to winning that championship because they didn't have a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, the start, the, the, they didn't have a star-studded cast there. They just didn't. Um, no. The fact of the matter. But that that USC team was one of the better teams for sure. Uh, easily, they win 88% to 12 uh, going right down the list, uh, we've got the 2008 Florida Gators matched up against 2015's Alabama squad. And again, Florida getting some love here. They they just destroyed Alabama in this voting. That was, you know, Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, Aaron Hernandez, yeah, Joe Hayden, and the Pouncey brothers there at Florida. So that was a heck of a team. There's no doubt about that. Uh Alabama, you know, Derrick Henry, uh, Reuben Foster, a couple names out of there. Um, you know, pretty pretty darn good team, but I guess I could see that one, that 2008 Florida squad. You know, you think Alabama and you think good football teams, but, you know, that, that Florida squad in 2008 w- was a darn good one. So they, they walk away with this 82% victors. Uh, second to last on this bracket here, 2009 Alabama Crimson Tide. 2005 Texas Longhorns and Alabama was able to win this one, which was a surprise to me and a surprise for you because I hate this one. Yeah. Because 2009 Alabama team, Eddie Lacy, Julio Jones, uh, you know, to name a few on that team, but then this Texas team, Vince Young, Michael Huff, uh, and Iraq pole to name a few, but you know, that team was for real. Vince Young was uh, the Heisman winner that year, I believe. And, and, and they just, you know, their performance, especially in the national championship was unbelievable. They beat USC in that amazing game. And that, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm yeah, good. Go ahead. Um, Reggie <laughs> Bush actually won the uh, Heisman that year. And you're right, you're right. Then Vince yep. Young, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, he, I mean, they they won the national championship, but a little just some stats here for you. Uh, Texas scored less than forty points just once, and that was week two against the number four Ohio State team. And history has shown us that Alabama has struggled with mobile quarterbacks, and there was no better mobile quarterback than Vince Young, I believe, even better than Tim Tebow. Uh, he passed for over three thousand yards. 26 touchdowns. He ran for over a thousand with 12 touchdowns. And you want to talk about rushing touchdowns, Jamal Charles with 11, Ramon Taylor with 12, Selvin Young with eight, Henry Melton, the now defensive tackle with 10. So these dudes could run it. And then you had Lima Swede, Billy Pittman, and uh, the tight end, David Thompson, uh, Thomas, each with five touchdowns. And I don't know if, I can't remember if, if that – I feel like no Alabama team could ever throw. But I, I don't remember if that own Alabama could throw. Um, but you had Cedric Griffin, Terrell Brown, Aaron Ross, Michael Huff, and Michael Griffin back there in the in the backfield, defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no way you're, you're throwing against these guys. Take that for data. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see I'm, – I'm surprised that we're not seeing Texas in the Final Four. That 05 Texas team, I, yeah, doesn't make any sense to me. Who I'm, voted I'm with on you. That, yeah, 
That team was that team was for real. There's no doubt about it. I, I thought they were going to win that vote because not only that, Vince Young's kind of been, you know, recirculating in the media lately. He's kind of a fresh name again for some reason, and 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 I thought they were going to win that uh, for sure. But they go down 56 to 44 is the percentage. And then the last one, uh, rounding out this first round, 2014 Ohio State Buckeyes, 2011 Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, you've got you've got Ezekiel Elliott, you've got Joey Bosa, uh, you, you've got Cardale Jones, Braxton Miller, to name a few for Ohio State that year. That 2011 Bama team: Mark Barron, uh, Dante Hightower, C.J. Mosley, Trent Richardson led led the team there. Um, you know, this is a close one. I could see this one going either way. Both really good squads, but. Alabama gets the nod here, 53 to 47, the closest vote out of any of these matchups. So, and that makes sense to me because that, that one I could see going either way. Uh, Alabama advances, which brings us to the second round, which is where we are now in the voting. And the voting is, is currently still open. So get to our Twitter feed at coach and Cole and make sure that you're voting on this. If you haven't done it already. And so we've got here's what we've got in round two. If you haven't seen this, if you haven't voted, make sure you go do it. So you got the number one seed, 2001 Miami Hurricanes, taking on the eight seed, 2012 Alabama's a Crimson Tide. You've got the battle of the 13 and 12 seeds, 2003 LSU Tigers, 2006 Florida Gators. Then you've got the number two seed, 2004 USC Trojans, 2008 Florida Gators, and then just. The way it worked out, we've got two Alabama squads uh, fitting uh, going against each other, the 09 squad and the 11 squad uh, pit, fitting off against each other there on the bottom of the bracket. So there's three Alabama schools, and there's two Florida uh, teams in this thing so far, and then we've got LSU, USC, Miami representing. And so we're only going to have – there's a possibility that there's only one Alabama school – left after this round and no Florida schools after this round. So that could be um, interesting to see, to see where we end up. What I, I can't see the voting right now because I'm not looking at it, but it should be Miami, 06 Florida, USC. And then I think right now, last time I checked though, it was the 09 Bama team. Um, I don't, I'd be okay with that, I guess. I feel like the 2011 team was better, uh, maybe not name-wise, but production-wise as far as the team they were. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the percentages right now so you got it. Uh, 2009 Alabama squad is winning 67% to 33%, so they're kind of running wow. away with that one. Um, and then this one I think is really close, uh, USC Florida – Florida was How? winning until most of the day, until just now. USC has taken the lead 52% to 48% in that one. Uh, LSU-Florida matchup, we've got Florida 58% to LSU's 42 And then, of course, this one is too close. But, of course, you're going to have your Alabama supporters. Uh, 2001-Miami, 79% to Alabama's 21%. So there's where your voting's at. Again, if you haven't voted, go to at Coach and Cole on Twitter to vote. And Miami, oh, I think I'm, yeah. and Miami and USC should run away with these. 
They I should agree. be – I don't know how the 08 Florida – I get that they had Heisman, Tebow. I mean, actually, they were pretty freaking stacked now that I think about it. But that USC team was something else. They they had two Heisman winners on that team and a 1,000-yard rusher with 15 touchdowns in Lendell White. Yep. Yep, and people forget and that Lindell White was on that team, and he was a stud. He was their best rusher, which is insane to, to think about with a team with Reggie Bush in college. I mean, right. Reggie Bush, I, I mean, I put his stats down here, 908 rushing yards, six touchdowns, 43 catches, 509 passing, receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 45 total returns, 913 yards, and two touchdowns. So you can see why he won the Heisman. But – Lendell White was their, their workhorse in the backfield. And they they had Dwayne Jarrett. Remember him? He was pretty oh, legit yeah. in college. 55 catches for almost 900 yards, 13 touchdowns. Brian Khalil on the offensive line. Winston Justice, he was good in college. I have no idea what happened to him. He went to Philly, I think. And they had some legit defenders, too. I mean, I that's weird that yeah. it's that close. But yeah. I think that the one Hurricanes are probably going to walk away with this. Well, and I think they should, right? They're the odds-on favorite, number one seed for a reason. And like you said, I mean, let's just talk about some of these guys that were on this team. Clinton Portis, he had over 12, uh, he had 1,200 yards rushing. Willis McGahee, Frank Gore. I mean, those three running backs were some of the greatest running backs of all time on the same team. Andre yeah. Johnson, catching passes. He was one of the greatest receivers of all time. Jeremy Shockey, if you love him or you hate him, he was a darn good tight end in college and in the NFL. He's on this team. Bryant McKinney, darn good offensive tackle. Ed Reed, one of the best safeties ever. Philip Buchanan. Uh, uh, you're saying best. I, I, It's hard to argue that, right? I mean, Ed Reed is, is definitely top two or three of all time, no matter who you are. Philip Buchanan, return specialist. I mean, this kid – was one of the most athletic kids we've ever seen. Unbelievable. Antrell Roll, he, is he still in the league? I think he is. Antrell Roll, yeah, is he still he in the league? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think he's still in the league. So, I mean, this guy's still getting it done. Jonathan Vilma, I mean, he led that at New York Jets defense for a long time. DJ Williams, another great linebacker. And, and the, we're still going on. This is the same team in college. I mean, are you kidding me? And then Vince Wolford, he just retired. He was the anchor of that New England Patriots defense for so long, was with Houston his last few years. This team, the only thing, the only mark against this team is the fact that Glenn, excuse me, Ken Dorsey was their quarterback. That's the only mark yeah. against them. But this kid was, was on, was lights out in college. I mean, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions that year. I mean, that's pretty darn good. You know, he had uh, almost 2,700 passing yards. So this team was just like, stacked. They didn't, they didn't throw it often, but when they did, I mean, they had Andre Johnson and Jamie Shockey to catch it. I mean, they right. had some other guys as well. But when you have those three running backs, and I think more specifically that defense, like if you yeah. if you look at the touchdowns, it's not a huge amount, but I, I can't imagine that many people scored on them. Yeah, I mean, just – up and down, they are stacked. 
I mean, that's, yeah. you, you know, we're talking about the greatest college football team since 2000. So of the 21st century, this team is in the conversation of greatest college football team of all time, all time. Right. They're that they're, they were that good. And, and so if they don't win this vote, there's something wrong, but Hey, it's up to you. It's up to the listeners, Cole. It's up to them. And they are the ones that are voting in this thing. And so again, do the right, do the right thing. We'll see what happens. Again, we could potentially have only one Alabama school remaining and zero Florida schools remaining, depending on, well, University of Florida, I should say. So we'll see what happens. This voting is only open for one more day. So if you're listening to us live, you've got until Thursday to vote on these matchups. You can find them again at Coach and Cole on Twitter. Go over there and vote for them. So it's kind of a cool thing. You know, we like to get uh, the listeners involved, some interaction. The the quarterback challenge we did uh, back after the Super Bowl was really fun, and a lot of people had a good time with that. Um, so so we wanted to do another one, and, and it's and, – and you know what? By the time this thing is over, college football season is just going to be getting underway, so it just kind of rolls right into it for us, getting us thinking about college football season again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good year. We've got to move on. Because we have our second Blog Talk Radio guest of the week on the line. We're going to talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars and some Leonard Fournette news. Uh, Zach Goodall is on the line. Zach, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Hey, great, great. Well, thanks for joining us, Zach. And let's jump right into this thing because you had the pleasure of sitting down with Jacksonville Jaguars rookie running back Leonard Fournette and talking with him about his most recent project where he teamed up with metrics and they melted down 700 of his childhood trophies and molded them together to create a new dumbbell set for Reigns high school in Jacksonville, Florida. So first of all, Zach, how did this whole thing come about and why did Leonard decide to do this? So this all goes back to his childhood. Leonard Fournette, he grew up in the seventh ward of new Orleans and he told me that he never really had the, you know, he didn't have a lot of nice stuff available to him when he was younger, just simply being from a poor kind of poverty stricken area. The place was really hurt by hurricane Katrina. He said in his opening press conference when he came to Jacksonville that he slept on a bridge for about four nights after hurricane Katrina. Um, So I think that that kind of stuff has always motivated him, not just as a football player, but as a person in general. And he told me right when he got, into the NFL, signed with Metrics, his protein supplement company, that he wanted to start giving back. And this was the first opportunity they could think of because Reigns High School, although it's produced a lot of NFL players, uh, I think Jabbar Gaffney, uh, Brian, no, it was Brian Dawkins, several NFL players have graduated from the school, but it's still not that great of a condition of a school. It's still, you know, under, they don't have much funding for the sports programs. So he and Metrics teamed up and found this school in the area in his new home, and they knew right from the start that he didn't want to keep his childhood trophies because he didn't think they, they meant too much to him. He knew exactly how well he played when he was a kid, and the trophies were going to collect dust. So they they melted them down and put them together into a weight set. And I was there even for the unveiling and for Fournette to surprise all the kids and work out with them with the new weight set. And it was really a cool moment all in all just to see these kids. They had no idea Fournette was going to be there. And they, could just, they were just kind of starstruck to see someone of 
the name of Leonard Fournette show up and donate this to their school. It was awesome. It sounds like pretty cool stuff. Um, I got to ask you though, Zach, did you lift any of it? Oh, I haven't lifted weights in a long time since when I quit football. So I definitely, all those kids were big football players. I recently graduated high school. Um, so, but I stopped playing football in my junior year. So I haven't been working out like these kids have, let alone Leonard Fournette, um, for a couple of years now. So I definitely did not want to come anywhere near the weights unless it was to take a picture of them. Smart. Good decision. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did you get to talk with Leonard, but you were there when he when he visited the school, and you kind of talked about this already, but what were the reactions like? I mean, you got to see this firsthand. So what were the reactions like on these kids' faces when, when he walked in and, and, and they saw him coming into their school? Oh, I think they were starstruck. And he kind of gave them a motivational speech, uh, talked to them about his upbringing and how it never deterred him from his goals. And I think it really hit home with them because a lot of them come from a poor area. It's on the west side of Jacksonville, uh, northwest side of Jacksonville. Not that much money going around. A lot of, um, I mean, you see the beach area outside on the east side of Jacksonville, and it seems really nice, but it's a totally different atmosphere then. So they were starstruck, and I think it really motivated them. They also seemed to have fun with him because um, kind of behind the scenes, after he presented it to him, he took a couple kids that stuck around on a joyride in his new uh, Mercedes-Benz. And uh, he actually got Odell Beckham Jr. on FaceTime afterwards to FaceTime with, I think there were about five to ten kids left over. Uh, So you could tell that it was kind of like one of those moments, these kids, they're between the ages of 15 and 18, still in high school. It's something they're really never going to forget, A, because they got to meet a guy like Leonard Fournette and do all that cool stuff. But also, this this was huge for their upbringing to see, like, they are not forgotten about kids. And he really, I think Fournette and Metrics did a great job putting this entire thing together. Yeah, very, very cool. I mean, the fact that these kids are never going to forget something like that. When a guy comes to their school, uh, and, and then like you mentioned, I mean, I read that he FaceTimed Odell Beckham Jr., and, and some of these kids got to say hi and talk to him. Uh, what a cool moment. Very cool stuff there. Uh, when you sat down with him, what was something that you noticed about him? I mean, was he was he humble? Was he approachable? I mean, like you mentioned in your article, he grew up in a rough neighborhood, and you've mentioned it here on the show so far. Do you think his experience growing up, and and, and you kind of alluded to this already, but is that why he is already willing to to help those in need before his NFL career has even really gotten started? Well, even noticing firsthand just from sitting down with him, kind of semi yet unrelated, the dude's big. I was, (laughs) I mean, I'm six foot tall, 165. And he's only an inch taller than me, but he's got 80 pounds of pure muscle on me. So I sat down and I was really intimidated at first. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, all in all, um, you could tell how much his, back, um, his background meant to him. You could tell he's humble, but at the same time, he's hungry. And I think he, he knows, obviously, how good he is. And he's never going to take that lightly. And he's going to, on the football field, definitely prove that to you. But at the same time, he, he was sure to talk about how – he, his experiences growing up and how much that affected him and really his motivation that came from that, especially with Hurricane Katrina hitting right into the seventh ward of New Orleans and the entire area was affected. There were people left even in worse condition than what he and his family was. Um, but you can tell like throughout the day how happy he was to be giving back to these kids. And you could just see it in him that this is something he wished he could have had when he was younger. And now that he has the opportunity to present this to 
young kids just like he was five years ago before he started at LSU. It was something special. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really cool story. Cool for you to share it with us. Uh, Zach Goodall of, of Big Cat Country talking with us here live on Coach and Cole. Zach, what is your gut feeling on the Jags this year? Is this new regime, you know, with Tom Coughlin back, and what are your expectations for this team? I expect toughness. I think that's one of the biggest things they've outlined so far. And I know we're going to talk about Brandon Albert later, and I'll be sure to re-outline everything with toughness. But at the same time, I've questioned a lot of decisions the front office has made this offseason, and I think that comes on the GM. And a lot of people have rushed to think Tom Coughlin is the, practically the GM and the coach and all that. All I've gathered on Coughlin being here is that he's been an overseer and helping make decisions. But from reports I've read and things I've collected, Dave Caldwell, who is now entering his fifth the team, is still making the calls on draft night and during free agency. And Blake Bortles is an issue. And it was seen last, off, last season, even though his 2015 season looked promising, he's got mechanical issues throwing the ball and a lot of decision-making problems. And, I mean, from what I've been out at every day of training camp except for the ones that were closed, and from what I've seen, his mechanics look a little sharper, but at the same time, they're never going to be quite normal and they're affecting his decision-making. There were still a lot of throws out there that he wasn't able to complete well. So in terms of the entire new regime, they're really going to focus on run heavy with Leonard Fournette, and that's going to be great and fun to watch, and he's going to be one of the better running backs in the NFL. I, have, I see no way that he isn't one of the better running backs in the NFL within a couple of years. But the quarterback position, I think, was a huge position of need, and with a new regime, I would have assumed that quarterback would have been something that they should have addressed instead of it being an old regime holding on to, you know, seeing what they can get out of Bortles, they should have gone for it with Coughlin and Maroon being in charge. But them sticking with Bortles kind of made me think, this is still Dave Caldwell's team. And with Blake Bortles at quarterback and the mistakes that he's proven that he makes a lot, even if they're running the ball 80% of the time, I don't see them eclipsing any more than six wins. All right. Well, you just segued into our next question here, basically. Because uh, everything that we've heard, like how you just said, they're moving to a run-heavy scheme. Uh, they brought in Chris Ivory last season. Do you see this as starting out more of like a running back by committee, or will Fournette just right away be the guy? Because I got him on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping it's the latter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, first off, I saw that he was um, – because I had a fantasy draft with my buddies before they went off to college about a month ago, so we got started really early. And I took Fournette at 27, and I was thinking, oh, this is kind of a steal because it's Fournette. And then I got to thinking the Jags didn't really address their offensive line like they should have because they ranked, I think, 27th in adjusted line yards last year, and 20% of their runs were stuffed, and all they did was change their left tackle. Cam's going to be good, but at the same time, he's a rookie. They had a lot of issues on the interior that they didn't fix. So, and mm-hmm. I, th- I looked at ESPN's adjusted draft, uh, adjusted, you know, average draft pick, um, Thing today basing where certain players are being drafted on average and Fournette was at 26.4 so barely anything different than what I saw I think he's a guy in fantasy you have to look at in the third to fourth round because not because of who he'll be splitting carries with but because this offensive line is still a mess in terms of run blocking they're about league average in pass protection on any stat you can find but in run blocking they were miserable and there wasn't much change 
But Fournette being a big dude, he's going to get carries at the goal line, and he's going to score on them more often than not. So you're going to get your touchdown points no matter what. I think to start the year, they're going to have Chris Ivory getting a share of carries because he still has a $7 million cap hit, so they're going to try and get anything they can out of him. And I know they like TJ Yeldon as a third down back in terms of pass protection and being able to catch the ball. So to start the season, I think it's going to be more they're going to focus on getting all three of those guys and maybe even Corey Grant involved, Fournette getting the main amount, the most amount of carries. But all of those guys are going to get a decent chunk of the carries. But then you get to around the bye week, week eight, week nine, I think that's when they'll start to transition to Fournette, 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 which is great when the playoffs are coming up for fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting to see what goes on there with, with that Jaguars backfield. A lot of people are questioning Allen Robinson, are saying that he may have been a one-year wonder. What's the buzz on Robinson this year? And in your mind, is he in for a bounce-back season? So we all know how he performed in uh, what it was 2015 with the 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And everyone's thinking – this guy's on his way to already being one of the better receivers in the league. And he was still 21 years old at that point. And it was his second season. And he put it, that was insane amount of production out of a guy that young. And he's only 23 now and he's looking to be extended. But last year he kind of fell off a bit. Um, a lot of people thought it was perhaps on Bortles for just his clear, clear regression and disaster of a season. But there were times during the season where even when Bortles was decently accurate or placing the ball well that Robinson was getting frustrated against man coverage and making some drops that he shouldn't have made. I think that was, I think that stemmed from not only Bortles, but the team in general, the hopes were so high at the start of the season. And when things started to fall apart, everyone started to play a little worse. And, but I mean, I've been at camp uh, this, this entire off season, anytime they had it open. And I don't think Allen Robinson had a bad practice. In fact, I, I could go on a, out on a limb and say about 90% of his practices, he made at least one of those catches that made you think, okay, this is the guy that we saw in 2015. We know that he's good. The buzz is going around um, after Brandon Linder got extended, uh, the Jaguars center, they were thinking, who's going to be next to be extended? And reports came out that Robinson's agent has been in discussions with the Jaguars about extending him in the near future. And I'd assume that they'll – have to pay him top line receiver money, maybe 14 to $16 million a year with Antonio Brown making 17, the most in the NFL. Um, looks like the team's confident in him considering they're apparently negotiating. And just from what I've seen and the talent we know he has, I think this year will be a bounce back year for him. It also will depend on how the quarterback does play, but I think they're going to work, uh, try and make it move him more from just the X receiver where he played a lot last year and put him at Z, maybe even throw him inside a little bit, but let him be comfortable because they know what talent he provides. Yeah, that's good news for the Jaguars if he's able to bounce back. We asked Antoine Staley of USA Today about this earlier in the show, but we want to get your take on it. Brandon Elbert, he comes over from Miami. He retires. Now he wants to come back. What's your take on this thing? Are the Jags going to take him back, or do you think they decide to just completely cut ties with him? Well, so it's it's all a situation that really could have been prevented in several different ways, and this is, again, where I question the Jaguars' front office. The biggest need going into this offseason before they let Kelvin Beecham go, who was the team's left tackle last year, was along that offensive line was left guard, as well as right guard was an issue. And all in all, the offensive line just wasn't that good. And they traded for Albert thinking that they've got a Band-Aid guy right there where 
Miami was planning on cutting Albert in the first place. So the Jaguars, if they really wanted him, could have given him a contract that he wanted. Because remember, he held out for a lot of time over contract disputes with the Jaguars uh, during the offseason. They could have signed him to a contract that he wanted. I don't think there was going to be a lot of teams going after a 32-year-old, oft-injured left tackle. Um, but they, they, they could have either done that or they could have not pursued him at all when left guard was the bigger need than left tackle. They could have held on to Kelvin Beecham. They could have known they were going to still target a left tackle in the draft and maybe found some other guys that they could have signed in free agency. But I, it just seemed like the entire situation from the start was sketchy. And at this point now, they put him on the left team list at first when he retired. So they must have known something was going on because otherwise I would assume they'd put him on the retired list. But after Albert came back and was trying to come out of retirement, they then put him on the retired list. So as of now, he's, <laughs> on, he's on the team's retired list. Um, whether he still wants to come back or not, they'll have to decide on. I think it would be an awful PR move at this point when the team has been focusing on you have to earn what your like what your role is. This is a toughness team. There's no BS going on. That's kind of Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone's mantra. And putting him on that list and apparently just telling him for now, we're not going to cut you and we're not going to have you play either. It, that's definitely what it seems like what happened. They didn't comment on it much. Looks to be a smart move. That looks more of a Tom Coughlin stepped in and told him, you know, we've had enough of what you've been giving us this entire off season. It's really just been a headache. And as for now, I think the drama has been put to bed, but if you, if they know by week one that they want to have someone not named Cam Robinson starting at left tackle, they could call upon Albert services. I just, I think it would be a really bad PR move if they did that. All right, Zach, uh, last one before we let you go. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. You already said, kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, but the Jaguars record 2017, what is your prediction? Unless Blake Bortles somehow proves anyone that watched him in depth last season wrong, they're not eclipsing 6-10. and 10. Which right. is improvement. That's a 100% improvement from last year because they went 3-13. and 13. But, but with the talent they have in the roster, if the quarterback position was more stable, they're capable of much more. But as of right now, I'm saying 6-10. and 10. All right, you heard it here first. Zach Goodall says 6-10. and 10. He is uh, of Big Cat Country, NFL Spin Zone. You also contribute to the fan show. Uh, and you have your own podcast as well, correct? Yeah, uh, I do one with Big Cat Country covering the Jaguars called Keep Chopping Wood. And then I've got my own NFL draft slash NFL news slash pop culture. It kind of just depends on what's going on that week with my buddy uh, Ryan Kieran from Pat's Pulpit, who can be followed at Ryan underscore Kieran on Twitter. We call it the 11 on 11 podcast. It's an old joke about the show Stranger Things because one time a buddy of mine said I looked like 11 from the show and ever since that just kind of stuck but um, the 11 on 11 podcast we hope to be getting out a lot more content as soon as more games start coming our way and more things to talk about very cool check them out there 11 on 11 podcast big cat country Zach really appreciate you coming on the show and we'll talk to you again soon buddy thank you for having me on you bet All right, Zach Goodall of Big Cat Country. Uh, good stuff there. He gave it, you know, Cole, that, that whole thing with Fournette, when I first saw the headline, I'm thinking to myself, how in the world 
do you melt down 700 plastic trophies because odds are they're plastic and then turn that into a weight set. I'm going, there's no way they're, they're going to be heavy enough, you know, to, to, to do that. But it wasn't, you know, technically just the weights that were melted down. They, they melted those down and then used them in the composite, in the mold. So yes, his, his trophies are in the weight set, but it's not just his trophies, you know? Thank you for bringing um, that up because I was in my head. I just saw a bunch of, just a bunch of football, plastic football players that on the end of a, like a, a barbell. Like <laughs> yeah. Pounds. Right. Yeah. When I first read the headline, I'm like, what, how does that even make sense? But there's a video, uh, metrics put out a video of the thing and they kind of showed the process a little bit of what they did and they did melt those down. There's no doubt about it, but they, they included that in the mold. Very cool stuff. Uh, make sure you check out Zach's article at bigcatcountry.com. That's part of the SB nation family, uh, which of course, you know, I'm part of uh, writing on, uh, on the St. Louis blues uh, during hockey season. So very cool for him to join us. Good stuff. And again, how cool is that? The dude, you know, is, just getting started in his NFL career and he's already, you know, albeit he's not donating buttloads of money here, but for a lot of people, your childhood trophies mean a lot to you. Right. And he said, well, they're just going to collect dust. I'm not going to ever use them again. And, and I, and I suppose when you're a guy of, you know, his stature that is in the NFL, what does your pop Warner third grade trophy really mean to you anymore? I mean, I, I get it, but it's still a, a pretty cool gesture. And not only did he donate those, he went to the school, met the kids. And, and the thing is, he didn't even go to high school there. This is a school in the community where he plays for now. So it's not like he had immediate ties and it was something like a favor. Hey, Leonard, we need a favor. It was nothing like that. So I think it's pretty cool and cool of Zach to come on and, and, and explain, you know, what he was able to see there. Good stuff. It might even be uh, better than a money donation because how the hell do you even know where that goes? Right. At least you can physically – oh, yeah. At least you can physically see, you know, what you've done, what you've donated, and how that impacts people. So so very cool stuff. Uh, We've got to move on. And we're going to stick to the NFL talk. Uh, A lot of football this week on the show. And – Something I was going to talk about in Coach's Corner, but uh, because I've got some other things on my mind for that segment of the show, we're going to talk about it now, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. And something you don't see a whole lot of uh, in the headlines anymore, they're going to, they are ramping up the hitting in practice. And especially with this concussion talk, we spoke about that on the past, uh, on the, excuse me, on the show in the past, the Colts are actually hitting more than, than they normally have. And, of course, you've got their head coach, Chuck Pagano, who, you know, takes results over style every time. He's got that mantra. He's, he's hard-nosed, hard-headed. He, he comes out and says, and I quote, this is a grown man's game. It's a physical football game, obviously, in a physical sport. You've got to practice it. If you don't practice it and you can't tackle on defense, you're not going to be good on defense, so we're putting emphasis on it. And, and as a coach, Cole, that's something that I've always struggled with, right? Because we're moving into this, this, this whole thing where you don't hit in practice, right? You just, you go through the motions. It's called thud. You blow the whistle early. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hit. Well, how the heck do you learn how to tackle if you never tackle anyone? 
you know, you know, that's my problem with it, right? But there's been programs and teams and, and at the pro level, at the college level, at the high school level that have been able to do it. And so I guess there's ways to do it. But Pagano has got the same kind of feelings on this as I do because he says you got to practice it in order to get good on it. Last week, the Colts had three minor skirmishes uh, in practice with receivers and cornerbacks. A couple of these guys were, were rookies that took things too far. They've been reprimanded, just, you know, but the physicality has been really there. They've done additional hitting to what they normally do. They've done it in position drills. Uh, they've had live team workouts, and, and they're and they, they really just hitting a lot more. And this whole old school thing has – has become really one of the bigger stories as far as all the teams and all the training camp. Um, so I, I don't know, Cole, I mean, just interesting, something that you don't see a whole lot of right now, because again, we've talked about this with the concussions and it's something like, Oh, that, that seems like it's a bad thing that they're being more physical, but if you can do it in a, a safe way in the right way, I think I think it's a good thing, and I don't know, Cole. I mean, you, you're you're hearing about this news. Do you think that defensively the Colts are going to be a better tackling team? I mean, you'd think so, right? If they're practicing tackling, they're going to get better. Uh, well, the math adds up on it, right? You know, if you practice something, you're probably going to get better at it. Um, I just don't think the Colts are very good. I don't think it matters. Yeah. That that's that's the thing, right? I mean, what are we gonna see out of the yeah. Colts? <laughs> I mean, Andrew Luck, is he hurt? Is he gonna play the first six weeks? Is he not gonna play the first six weeks? We've got being different too physical with Andrew Luck is what's happening. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, keep that red jersey on him all the time. Don't let him you know, uh they need some bodyguards around this guy all the time or something. I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, conflicting Put reports a red jersey on during actual games. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I think that just a, that'll turn into a bullseye for the defense. <laughs> for the defense. Uh, moving yeah. on here, this is kind of an interesting story. UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen has come out and said that school and football don't go together. And what I mean by this is, you know, there's he plays for UCLA. He's the junior starting quarterback and he's basically, I don't know if he did this directly. He sort of insulted the university of Alabama and the Crimson Tide football team and the Tigers with an interview that he did with Matt Hayes of Bleacher Report. He started 20 college games. He, he started six last year. He had a soldier. I can't say that word shoulder injury. That sidelined him, and he was discussing the difficulty of mixing academics and football. And when he took a couple, and he took a couple swings at at some of these teams that were in last year's national championship game. And Cole, you've got some of his quotes. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna take a chunk of the interview. Yeah. Um, so I'm not taking it out of context. I'm just gonna read uh, what he said here, uh, yeah. and they're talking about his injury here. So and him not being able to play. So. This is Matt Hayes. Look at the bright side. You got a chance to heal, maybe catch up on school. Rosen goes, don't get me started. I love school, but it's hard. It's cool because we're learning more applicable stuff from my major, which is economics. 
not just the prerequisite stuff that's designed to filter people out, but football really dents my ability to take some classes that I need. There are a bunch of classes that are only offered one time. There was a class this spring that I had to take, but it was a conflict with spring football, so so then football wins out. Well, you can say that. That's reality for student-athletes playing at a major university. Rosen goes, I didn't say that. You did. Ha, ha. Apparently, they were last. Uh, look, football and school don't go together. They just don't. Trying to do both is like trying to do two full-time jobs. There are guys who have no business being in school, but they're there because that's the path to the NFL. There's no other way. Then there's the other side that says raise the SAT eligibility requirements. Okay, raise the SAT requirement at Alabama. See what time, see what type of team they have. You lose athletes, and then you lose product on the field. And then Hayes goes, wait, some players shouldn't be in school? It's not that they shouldn't be in school. Human beings don't belong in school with our schedules. No one in their right mind should have a football player's schedule and go to school. It's not some players. It's not that some players shouldn't be in school. It's just that universities should help them more instead of just finding ways to keep them eligible. Anytime any player puts into school will take away from the time they could put into football. They don't realize that they're getting screwed until it's too late. You have a bunch of people at universities who are supposed to help you out and they're more interested in helping you stay eligible. At some point, universities have to do more to prepare players for university life and help them succeed beyond football. There's so much money being made in this sport, it's a crime not to do anything you can to help out people who are making it for those who are spending it. And I just got a few more quotes here. Yeah. But those same players go on to make money in the NFL after uh, being prepared by the college programs. Some do, absolutely. But what about those who don't? What did they get for laying their body on the line play after play while universities make millions upon millions? People criticize when guys leave early for the NFL draft and then rip them when some guys who leave early don't get drafted. They say, why did you leave school if you weren't going to get drafted? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because for a lot of guys, there's no other option. They're either going to leave early for the NFL or they're going to be flunking out. To me, that's a problem within the system and the way we're preparing student-athletes for the future away from football. Everyone has to be a part of the process. And then Hayes, this should be the last one. Hayes, uh, how is it then that some guys graduate in three years? Deshaun Watson graduated in three years, and so does his roommate, Artavis Scott. I'm not knocking what those guys accomplished. They should be applauded for that, but certain schools are, are easier than others. And then he goes on to talk about like what he wants to do with his life and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. when, when you see the headline that Josh Rosen rips Alabama and Clemson saying they're not yeah. smart, you know, that's, to me that's not what he was saying. He was saying that it's just it's difficult to have high, ec, uh, high educational standards and still play at a high level of football at the same time. And, yeah, obviously there are exceptions to the rules. Uh, but I've thought this forever. And you've seen people outside of college, once they graduate, they've came back and was like saying, like, yeah, I took like two classes. There's somebody that like took my classes. Like, cause what, he worded it perfectly. He said that people just try to find ways to make these student athletes eligible and not actually like succeed in their, in their schooling. Right. If, if you just want football players to just, Hey, I, I need you to get like a C minus in basket weaving and you'll be fine. You can play. Then 
yeah, sure. But then, like what he said, like what happens when you get hurt or what happens if you don't make it in the NFL because there's only so many? Then you're screwed. Right. Well, I guess the flip side, if I'm going to play devil's advocate on this deal, right, they're getting a free education because they got a scholarship to a Division One college. So it's not like they're wasting their own money by taking classes that, like you said, basket weeding or something like that, that's not going to, you know, help them in, in real life. And so they make the NFL and let's say they get hurt. Well, hopefully they've already made some money and they can go back to school if they want. But really that argument doesn't really hold up for me because, and, and I'm sure it won't for you and for most people, because that's not, it's still not fair. Right. I mean, you're talking about somebody's life and you, you really, it puts in perspective what he says here in this interview, it, it puts in perspective of a little bit of an inside look of what it's really like to be, you know, a division one athlete and expect, and specifically a football player and have to try to balance that because he's obviously an intelligent individual, right? He wants to succeed in school, but at the same time, he's a football player. He's a quarterback. So he has a lot of time that he needs to invest with the team. And there's a lot of requirements. And I get and like what he said about, you know, the scheduling stuff. I firmly believe that universities around the country do that purposely. They try to make it very difficult for you to take all the classes that you need in order to graduate on time. They want you there as long as possible because that's how they make their money for these athletes specifically. They're being, they're paying for them, but so I don't think there's a a big ploy against that for that, but in general, it's, 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 I can't imagine. I mean, I, I'm not a, a division one athlete, but their schedule. And I know some, some that are, and I've heard about their schedules. I mean, it's grueling 4:30 They're up or three 30. They up, they got to wake, they got to work out. Then they got to go to AM practice. And then they got, you know, a class at 10 and a class at one. I mean, it's just crazy. Some of these schedules that they have. And so, I don't know. I think, and you know what? I think almost everything he said, Cole, I think I can agree with. Like you tell me right now, if Alabama had the same academic standards as Northwestern or Purdue, you oh, tell God. me, you tell me how good they're going to be. Right. And are they're we saying, <laughs> right. And are we, are we saying that? And, and by saying that, am I, you know, poking fun at, and saying that players for Alabama are stupid? No. I'm just saying that there's a reason why certain schools get the players they get and a reason why other schools don't get the players they get. It's just very cut and dry. There's schools that are meant for sports. And, like, there's, there's like, Alabama football. Alabama is meant for football. You're not going to Alabama to play football to – Hey, I'm going to play football and I'm going to get my business degree. I'm going to get an MBA. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're there to play for like two and a half, three years. Yeah, and probably yeah. be a top three, three round pick. Right. If you're in the fourth round, you probably suck. But <laughs> like, I mean, it's the same for basketball. Like, there's certain schools that you only go to that school for sports. I think it's I think it's worse 
I don't know if worse is the correct word, but I think it's um, more noticeable in football because I think you have the SEC is, besides Vanderbilt really, is meant for putting athletes into professional sports. I mean, Kentucky basketball, there's another one. And Kyle Perry comes out and says it. Like, these kids are here to go to the NBA, and I'm going to help them get to the NBA. Like, that's right. what the business is. Yep. And it's a and business. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know. The, the system is flawed. There's no doubt about it. I don't know what the, what's, what's asked of them in the schedules these Division One schools have because they travel across the country. I mean yeah. – I don't know. I don't know the answer. You know, maybe, and, and kids aren't going to like this, but maybe it comes down to the fact that in the summer, that's when you take your fall classes is in the summer. So then when you're playing football, you don't have any classes. Maybe, maybe that's, the, you know, maybe that's an option. I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely, and, and this interview is a couple months old and it's really starting to make the rounds. And I wanted us to touch on it because, I think a lot of what he said, there's a lot of truth to what he said, and I think he's kind of getting hammered in the media a little bit, and he shouldn't be because he, he didn't say anything that wasn't real and wasn't true. And and I, I think we both agree that something something is fundamentally wrong, like he said, with the way the system is. And and I don't know if it's going to change because it's just it's a business. Like you said, it's a, it's a business, and they're making a lot of money. But we've got to move on. It's time to step into the coach's corner. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What's next? You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. All right, Coach's Corner. August 9th. Coach and Cole Show. We are live and we are prime time. And in this week, I'm gonna change it up a little bit, right? Because I normally talk coaching stuff and and whether it's something good somebody's done in coaching something bad and I and, and I and I kind of shed some light on that but this week enough is enough for me right I mean and and what I what I want to talk about this week is Colin Kaepernick and his current situation and and I know we've discussed Kaepernick on the show in the past and, and just about every major media outlet has at least mentioned him at some point this week most notably after Miami signed Jay Cutler. We talked Cutler earlier on the show. And Cole, you and I have voiced our opinions already a few times on the situation. But the other day, I came across something on, on, on the Facebook, on good old Facebook. And it really struck a chord with me. And, and to be quite honest with you, and you know this, right? I mean, it angered me. Like, it, it honestly got me mad, what I read about the situation. And it was a post from one guy that was bashing the notion of uh, this whole thing with protesters uh, that are quote unquote being led by Spike Lee um, who are standing up for Kaepernick and they're going to show up to the league offices, et cetera, et cetera. 
And we can get into that part later if you want in a minute, Cole, uh, in a minute or so, Cole. But if, you know, as I click the comments on his post, you know, because I, I saw the post and then I clicked into view, view comments, whatever. And I began to see some of the other comments and they were reading along the lines of like, if he was good enough, he would be on a team already. Things like that. And Dumb. yeah, first of all, if you say that, you either A, have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, or you have other issues about the man and you defer to that because it sounds good, right? I mean, you have Cause, something. Because you can't be honest. Right. You cannot be honest. Yeah, you have to say, well, he's just not good enough. Okay. And, and, and Cole, I, I shouldn't get that worked up about one person in the entire world's opinion, right? I mean, who, what does his opinion really mean to me? But to me, like this, the whole conversation that I saw and for this one blurb, right? It, it represented this whole lot of like opinions in the world about the situation because you see it here or there on social media, you hear somebody say it or you, you run into your buddy and he's like, ah, yeah, he's not good enough anyway, whatever. Right. So to me, it like represented all of this at one time because I'm reading this and it just, it caught me at the right time where it really angered me. Right. So let me put this into a little bit of perspective for you right now. Right. 59, 0.2 completion percentage. The average completion percentage in the NFL, I think, is around 60 and a half. Last I checked, right? Okay, so 59.2 completion percentage for Kaepernick last season. He had a 16 to four touchdown to interception ratio. So if we compare that to Jay Cutler, who we spit out some numbers earlier, uh, Cole, you spit out some numbers on Cutler earlier, but he just got a 10 million dollar deal. We already talked about this. He was had a, uh, a just barely lesser completion percentage, 59.1, but his touchdown interception ratio was four to five. So that's considerably worse than Colin Kaepernick. Now I understand that Cutler has a long history in the league and et cetera, et cetera. But let's remember that Kaepernick did this with a team that was absolutely terrible. They sucked. They were bad. They, they, they sucked. And they had, a, they had management who wanted them to tank. They wanted them to lose games. They'll never come out and say that, but it's true. And it's, Cole, you know it as well as I do. 49ers fans, you know it too. And there wasn't one game that was more apparent to this. And we've talked about this a little bit already, right? The night they had the eventual Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, on the ropes. They were going to win that game for everything that we've seen in the first half. In that game, Kaepernick threw for 206 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Okay, and he did most of that damage in the first half. But he, that was, those were his numbers against the team that won the Super Bowl, playing for a team that was pretty much the worst team in the NFL. And had the 49ers, Chip Kelly and the 49ers given him a chance given the 49ers a chance, really, they would have won that game. In the second half, they shut it down. They're running the ball, clear passing situations, they're running the football. Okay, and you and I were talking to each other during that game. We're tearing out your hair because we had some investment with that because we had Kaepernick in some fantasy stuff and, and whatever. But th that was clear to me that they were tanking that game. They were throwing that game. Yep. 
because the play calling was obvious. It was bad. And I don't know, do people call are pe- do people forget like he is only a few years removed from leading his team to the Super Bowl? Like that wasn't that long ago. I think so. That I mean, they just he's not good enough. Okay. He was just in the Super Bowl. And I, I want to read what Richard Sherman just said. He said this on August 2nd, and I think it's spot on. And this is what he said, and I quote, For you to say you have to check with sponsors and fans because this guy took a knee and made a statement? Now, if you told me this guy threw eight pick sixes last year and played like a bum, had no talent, that's one thing. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett, or whoever is playing for the Jets right now, Whoever is starting for the Jets is terrible. Have jobs. You're telling me fans would rather you lose and put a worse player out there because a guy took a stand? That's where it's troublesome to me. 100% agree. 100% agree. And Cole, My thing with that yeah. is, and he's talking about the Ravens, because the Ravens put out this, however they did it, but they asked the fans how they felt about if they were to sign Kaepernick. And I mean, you don't do that for any other player. The Cowboys didn't do it for uh, Hardy, like domestic violence and gun charges and whatever he had. They didn't ask the Cowboys fans if, like, hey, should we sign this guy? He's He's got legal problems. Or right. Ray Rice. The Ravens didn't ask him about that. Or John Brown, the punter of all people. The people – I mean, the Giants back John Brown more than they back Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. And he has domestic violence charges against him, but they don't – Nobody votes on that, but you got to vote on this guy for some reason. Yeah. And, and we talked about all these other guys that have been signed. No-name quarterbacks, right? I mean, who we don't know who these people are. And they're getting signed to contracts to play quarterback in the NFL. And there's probably now over 30 quarterbacks that have been signed in the NFL over Kaepernick this offseason, preseason, whatever. And it's honestly, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But – this conversation continued right on, on Facebook that I'm talking about, which really got me going. And this is what angered me more than, because I, I, I was just going to, I commented on there, right. And I, I was just going to talk about football. I wanted to keep it to football because clearly this guy is good enough to play football in the NFL. It's like, I don't know how you can honestly believe that he's not. Okay. But this is what the guy said. He says, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to name any names here. This is what he said. He doesn't, and I quote, he, talking about Kaepernick, he doesn't make a very good backup, and he is absolutely not a leader. His team didn't play for him, and everyone's job is on the line. If you want a distraction, you have Owens, Moss, Kaepernick. If you don't want a distraction, you sign Cutler. What? I mean, that's just idiotic. I mean, that is just so stupid. But this comment represents how a portion of people in this country currently feel on this situation. He put Colin Kaepernick in the same discussion, in the same category as Terrell Owens, and Randy Moss. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable to me. Okay? He put a guy like Randy Moss, who had drug trouble, 
quit on his team, openly admitted to quitting on his team, said, I play when I want to play, multiple occasions. He ran over a parking attendant because he was mad because he got a parking ticket, amongst all kinds of other off-field stuff, all right? And then Terrell Owens, who just completely lived to create controversy, stirred the pot within the locker room, a guy who was not a lot of practice, so he just held a press conference and had his own practice in his front yard, created a huge scene, huge debacle, had his crazy agent say all these outlandish stuff. And he compares those two guys to Colin Kaepernick because he decided to take a knee during the national anthem. And that's it. He took a knee during the national anthem. That's it. But for you people, that puts him in the same category as Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Makes him not a leader. That is just seriously unbelievable. Unfrickin' believable. And, and a lot of people feel that way, Cole. A lot of people. It's not just this guy, right? And that's what that got, I got so fired up about it, and I'm fired up about it now. And, like, people, hello, this guy won an award last year. He won the Len Eshmont Award. DJ's team honor the 49ers have, which is voted on by the players, by his teammates, who apparently you don't believe thought he was a leader, yet they voted on him to win this award. He won the award for being a, a courageous and inspirational player. <laughs> okay, so, so you're telling me that this, this man, Colin Kaepernick, is in the same category as Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Just, just ridiculous. And then he goes on and, and says some other things like, uh, you know, we won't have to see his disgusting behavior this season because don't worry, none of these teams are going to touch him. Again, Cole, you alluded to it before, right? How is what Colin Kaepernick did in any way, shape, or form in the same conversation as what Ray Rice did, as what Greg Hardy did, okay, as what Adrian Peterson did, Um, Randy Moss even? Like I don't. They, I, I know we have to kind of wrap this up, and I don't mean to tell you to wrap it yeah, up, but yeah. I don't represent everyone in the military. Me being in the military, you know, I, I'm just one person. For me, like, if you're doing a silent protest, isn't that kind of the reason? Like, we have the like what people have fought for in America Thank for the you. right to yep. do that. To to me, I mean, and to me. It's a song and a flag. It doesn't, it represents what you want it to represent. And for him in that moment and during this protest and for a lot of people, it doesn't mean what it should mean. It doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. And he's bringing that to light thing. We should have it mean something for, mean the same thing for everyone. Exactly. I, yeah, I don't get it. Me, me neither. The, it, the man. And the fact that, that they don't want to take him as, as a backup, but they'll sign him as a starter. That makes no sense at all. Just so everyone knows, like he's not good enough to be your backup, but you'll have him as your starter. <laughs> I mean, honestly, put, put he he protested something in a nonviolent way, in a matter of fact, in a silent way. 
that people didn't know for for a couple of weeks until reporters finally asked him about it. Exactly. Yeah, he never said a word. Never said a word. Media made this what it is, and that's what's sad about it, right? The media made this what it is. He didn't. He didn't come out and say why he was doing it. He did it for himself. He believed in his own way. That was how he was representing what he believed in and what he did. Because the media spun it the way they spun it, it became what it is. And now this guy is black. No way you can say that he's not being blackballed. And by the way, he's the number 17 uh, in jersey sales this season, this year so far. And he's not even on a team. So it goes to show how many people actually care. And his jersey sales, the money that he gets from it, he donates that. So he's a terrible person. He's completely cut out. I have no idea what you just said. He's a terrible person for that. I mean, I... I you're really breaking no, up before, but you know, I just want to touch on because it really, it really, you know, it there's something going on with your mic. Hello? Asking all the questions. Asking all the questions for Cole. Why are you asking all the questions? Making statements. Uh, All right. Questions for Cole. August 9th. If I can get them pulled up here, we'll be rocking and rolling. All right, Cole. Question number one. What is... Your favorite flavor of Gatorade? You've asked me this before, I believe. Um, uh, since I drink the G2, it has less sugar in it, so it just tastes different. I don't like the orange flavor. I drink the red G2. But oh, yeah, regular right. Gatorade, uh, I go with the orange. G2 guy. Okay. All right, number two. So you did some driving this last week. You've been traveling a little bit, seeing some family, et cetera, et cetera. And this kind of sparked this question in my mind. So when you drive on the highway, are you the guy who kind of coasts it in a slow lane? Or are you the guy that you're on their ass and then you, you flip it over into the fast lane and you're passing people in, in the fast lane? Uh, I try to stay as much in the fast lane as possible because even if traffic is backed up, the fast lane typically goes faster anyways. But if we're just, like, open road driving, like, there's not really much traffic, uh, I'll, I'll even stay in the fast lane the whole time because what's the point of me going back and forth switching lanes if I'm going to be passing everybody anyways? Yeah. You know what? That's, that's funny that you say that because I kind of do the same thing. And, like, people usually say, well, if you're not passing, you're supposed to be in the right lane. So you shouldn't even stay in cool. the left lane. Well, I'm going, like, 85, so. Right. So, and and I like to find a buddy, right? Like a where you can kind of like push the envelope a little bit, get her like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 miles an hour over the limit. But you got a buddy, so you feel more comfortable doing it because there's a chance that if you do get radared by a, a cop, there's a chance that he's going to get that guy instead. Right? <laughs> I mean, you feel better yeah. about it. 
right. Yeah. All right. All right. We're on the same page. Um, number three, one of the most famous rappers of all time, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Will Smith. I want to know, Cole, what's your favorite Will Smith song? Uh, going to Miami. Going to for sure. Mm. <laughs> I know why you did that. I know why you said that. You're oh, going to Brian. Miami. Yeah, is that why? That is not why. I just I love the uh, the girl's phrase that she has. Emi ami ami or whatever she says. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Miami, Will Smith. A lot of Florida That's a nice talk. That's big though. It is. It is. It is. A lot of Florida talk today. Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, Miami Will Smith. Number four. Uh, I asked you this earlier, so. I'm not even going to ask you this now. I was going to say uh, over under on the Timberwolves win total, but I'm going to ask you this instead. I want you to predict Jimmy Butler's points per game total average for next season. Uh, 22.9. Okay. 22.9. If it lands on 22.9, we're going to have to do something. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. 22.9 Jimmy Butler creepy. points per game. Yeah, it would be 2017. Okay, the final question for Cole. August 9th, Wednesday, prime time, Coach and Cole show, number five. This is a question I got asked in an interview one time. really threw me for a loop. So I'm going to see if it does the same to you. I think you're going to be right on it, though. If you could be an animal, what type of animal would you be? A liger. It's a combination of a tiger and a lion. Those things are freaking awesome. <laughs> a liger, eh? Those are real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a lion and a tiger, right? I mean, yeah. And, and they just kind of, yeah, like a crap. They're but the they can they they like can't reproduce, right? Is that the thing? Yeah, also, are they like a, they're kind of slow, like mentally? But okay, you know, they look cool. They do. They do look cool because it's kind of like the same thing where it's a, what is it? A horse and a donkey is a mule. Oh, and they can't, but, and yeah. you know what? I'd switch my answer to some sort of bird. It'll fly everywhere. That would be cool. Just flying around overhead view. It takes like, shits on people. <laughs> there you go. Another rim shot for you to end the show. Yeah. Well, we had a good show today. We yeah. did, we did. We talked a lot of Florida sports today. Yeah. Talked with Antoine Staley of USA Today on the Dolphins. Talked Zach Goodall, Jacksonville Jaguars, his conversation with Leonard Fournette. We ranted about Colin Kaepernick again. Had to do it. Put some people in their place. Make sure you get over and vote on the greatest NCAA football team of the Century on our Twitter at Coach and Cole. We're at Coach and Cole on Twitter. I just said that. Facebook.com slash Coach and Cole. I'm at Coach on 37. And Cole, you're at that King Cole 715. Don't forget the 715. This is Ben, the Coach and Cole show. I am the coach. And I am. I'm Cole. Sorry, guys. Thanks. Hi, I'm Gary. <laughs> <laughs>